Every one of you who confesses Jesus as Lord of the universe signs up for a significance beyond anything you ever dreamed. And I mean business men and women here, homemakers, students. To belong to Jesus is to embrace the nations. Your heart was made for this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Made for Missions podcast, a ministry of 1-8 Catalyst, where we are pursuing the completion of the Great Commission worldwide. To learn more about our work or to listen to previous episodes, please visit our website at 1-8, spelled out in word form, catalyst.org. That's 1-8-catalyst.org. Thanks for joining us. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us for this, the 71st episode of the Made for Missions podcast. I am your host, Mike Falkenstein, president and founder of 1-8 Catalyst, a ministry that has a deep heart to pursue the completion of the Great Commission worldwide. This podcast actually being one of the tools that we want to use to equip and train Western Christians toward Great Commission fulfillment. I'm so glad that you're here with us. I am without my co-host, Ken Watmore. For those of you that are longtime listeners of the podcast, you're used to hearing the wonderful voice of Ken Watmore, and he is not with me today, mainly because I wanted to do a solo episode about a ministry conference that I just attended last week, actually, in Southern California called the Finishing the Task 2017 Conference. And I believe the official organizations, it was Paul Eshelman, many of you know him from the Jesus film. He's heavily involved with the Finishing the Task network of organizations, and then the Issachar Initiative, which many of you are probably familiar with as well. I think they they kind of team up together to do a conference at Rick Warren's church in Southern California. Many of you know Rick Warren from his prolific author career. He's also a pastor, the senior pastor at Saddleback Church. So I just wanted to give kind of a a report of this conference, kind of the good, the bad, and the ugly, what I thought about it, how it went, what it was. Really, my hope actually is that by this podcast and some of the other things that we do talking about the conference over the next year, that we would be able to introduce this conference to many others Because overall, I really do feel like it was a very good use of my time, and I will definitely now just put this on my list of conferences that I attend. I don't attend actually all that many. At the most now with the Finishing the Task Conference, it might be two or three conferences that I attend altogether. So before I get too far into the conference itself, kind of my impressions, let me give just kind of the details of what this conference is, sort of, I'll give you kind of my impression of the, it was a Tuesday morning through a Thursday afternoon, which by the way, I think works really perfect, quite frankly. And so uh, that was really good. And so I've got the little workbook that they handed out right here, the conference handbook. So about finishing the task under the who we are page says, finishing the task is a network of over 1,539 missions organizations, 
local churches, denomination leaders, field missionaries, and research organizations that desire to see reproducing churches planted among every people group in the world. Our goal is 100% engagement that results in indigenous multiplying churches. So, of course, our interest at 1-8 Catalyst in this conference mainly was, you know, our transition from serving the growth and the development of the church in China to reaching the unreached worldwide, you know, beginning to pursue that, particularly using our experience in China as a platform to be able to begin to reach the unreached people groups yet in China. So the conference started that Tuesday morning. So here are my impressions of kind of the day-to-day of how things went. It was like a lot of other conferences that you might attend where, you know, you've got workshops, you've got speakers. Actually, the speakers that they had were quite good. They were really quite good. Right off the bat, the thing that you notice about finishing the task and this conference is that when they say that their goal is 100% engagement that results in indigenous multiplying churches, they really mean it. I mean, the conference was geared towards, y'all, there's still 1,300 something odd people groups around the world that still need to hear the name of Jesus. I have the other list here, 1,347, they say, ethno-linguistic, unengaged or unreached people groups. Of course, they even mention that that number exactly may be a little bit higher or a little bit lower. It's awfully hard to tell exactly some of these people groups around the world. But the point being, that was their focus. We're coming together. We're going to talk about how we do this. You'll receive some training to do this, to reach these unengaged and unreached people groups. So obviously that was good given the name of the conference, right? The finishing the task conference meaning finishing the task of the Great Commission, that's what they're about. That's what they're doing. So they are definitely, that was really my first impression was, these are definitely people that are quite serious about finishing the task. And so everything that they did was about that in one form or another, which I really appreciated that actually. That was actually really good that, you know, some of these conferences that you attend, you'll be able to, you, know, you kind of wonder, it's like, well, you know, there was some about the what you wanted to talk about, but then again, some of it was kind of fluff kind of stuff. And I didn't get that sense at all with this finishing the task conference. So I'd mentioned to you about the speakers. So it was Paul Eshelman, director of the finishing the task network and vice president of partnerships for crew, the former campus crusade. Many of you will know Paul from his work with the Jesus Film Project, served as its director for 25 years. It was great to hear from him. Of course, we heard from Rick Warren himself a couple of times, which was great. You know, the thing about Rick Warren that I appreciated, this was the first time that I'd ever actually had the chance to hear him in person talking and see him in person. And, you know, the one thing about Rick Warren is that he is the real deal. I mean, he's not one of these celebrity pastors that, you know, appears one way in person and another way when the cameras are rolling. He was all there. It was a real privilege to have Nick Ripkin. Many of you know and probably have read his book called The Insanity of God. And so he spoke twice, I think. 
We also one evening watched the book. His book, Insanity of God, has actually now been turned into a movie. So we watched the movie and then we got to hear him, you know, give some commentary afterwards. Louis Giglio, the pastor of Passion City Church in Atlanta. Many of you have probably seen him on, I, I actually had my main contact with him before on YouTube, actually, and watching some of his clips. And so that was really great. You know, you could tell he just came in for the day, kind of a deal. So to be able to speak to the conference. So, you know, whenever you have a good lineup of speakers, that always makes it nice too on the conference. So in terms of the rest of the schedule, in terms of the, there were, in addition to the main speakers, there were eight additional, what they called ministry reports. And so the ministry reports gave different reports on, so one of them was, you know, about sort of oral speakers as it relates to, you know, finishing the task. There was a guy with Ishikar Initiative, Gerald Robeson, who came and he spoke, which was actually probably my favorite speaker in terms of the ministry reports. In addition to that, on the Wednesday of the conference, there were also 16 workshops, and I think you could pick two of them. Which, you know, when when you have really good workshops like that, it's always hard just to pick two. <laughs> yeah, so, and then in addition to that, by the way, there were also a, I think it was that, I have to look at the schedule, I think it was that Thursday, maybe that Wednesday afternoon. Anyway, there was also some, what they called regional breakouts. So the regional breakouts were, hey, if you're working primarily in Africa, go to this room and there'll be other people talking about, you know, impacting Africa course, I went to the East Asia regional breakout since we're working in China. I could have also gone to the, pop my head into the, I think there was a South Asia one since we've just started to do some projects in India as well. So that is another impression. That brings me to another impression about the conference that I really, really liked, which was, boy, in terms of networking with other ministry leaders, other people that are doing very similar things, you really can't find another conference like this as it relates to networking. So for example, I'll give just a real life example. So at 1-8 Catalyst, we're actually kind of new in this whole game of reaching unreached people groups. And so we've started uh, two Bible translation projects amongst one people group called the Tiang people of Southwest China. They live in Sichuan province. And so as we're now just officially started the Bible translation, the local speakers are now actually in the process as we speak of translating the first four books of the New Testament. And so in this regional breakout, I talked to a guy who his ministry really specializes on church planting in China. Well, now that we, uh, you know, when we have a Bible translated or even a portion of the Bible translated, Inevitably, there will be new churches that will start up, right? So as of today, amongst this Qiang people group, there are no churches that preach in Qiang or obviously do any kind of Bible study or any other kind of ministry in Qiang because up until recently, there were no portions of the Bible translated into this language. And so, which by the way, is another impression that I'll get to in a minute, but as it relates to networking... Now, all of a sudden, I got a guy who does church planting. Well, you know I'm going to call him 
when, you know, they begin doing evangelism using their new Chiang language Bible, right? And then I met another guy that does a lot of theological training, particularly with pastors. And so as we have pastors that are raised up now preaching in this Chiang language from their Chiang Bible, you know I'm going to call that guy and say, hey, would you like to partner together and work together in this way as it relates to pastoral training? Because, you know, in a lot of ways, why would I want to reproduce all of this content when there's already people that that's what they do? Hopefully then, over time, as that relationship is being built, I'll be able to also serve them in a way where I can maybe we, as we get better and better at Bible translation, some of these folks have may say, hey, we just found a people group up in this area that has no portion of the Bible, but we already do know some Christians. We're doing some training in a different language. Would you be interested in partnering together and providing the Bible translation piece, which we would love to do because I think that's probably going to be our sweet spot is uh, in the Bible translation piece. So, so that was particularly cool. The, the networking was really the really the main highlight for me, quite frankly. In China, there now I've got people that are doing the same kind of thing and uh, complementary type ministries. As a ministry, we're really just praying, Lord, how would you want to use us in India? Well, I met three Indian ministry leaders. As many of you know, we've had a deep heart for North Korea for a long time. And Obviously, there is very little, if any, kind of an opportunity in North Korea. But at the conference, I met a uh, two pastors that were there from South Korea. We got talking. In fact, we kind of pulled away one afternoon and in a corner and just prayed for North Korea. So to be able to pray with Koreans about North Korea and people who are already just dearly just been praying that God would uh, be able to use them was really cool. So. I'll just put that as kind of my main highlight. Hi, I'm Tom Muller. As a pastor or ministry leader, you know the value of having congregation members excited about God's work, both at home and abroad. Think about having a church full of people who know their place in God's great mission, engaged to reach the world for Jesus. That's a church on fire. Or maybe you're a conference director looking for a dynamic speaker to come in and point people toward fulfilling the Great Commission in their lives. Mike Falkenstein would love to come and serve your church or conference by making a great speech to attendees on a Sunday morning or for a weekend event, making your event a huge success. Mike has a deep desire to make your job easier. Visit Mike's website at Mike. Falkenstein.com and go to the speaking page to find out more about how you can have them come and serve you in this way. Probably the other highlight was more one of a personal matter. So many of you know that myself, Steve Shermer, who's the president at Silk Road Catalyst, and David Joannis, who is the president at Within Reach Global have been doing a some online video stuff. Initially, it was called Missions Blab. And then when uh, the Blab platform went out of business, we just began calling it Missions Talk. Well, you know, the three of us have actually never met face-to-face together. So I've met Steve. Steve has now met David. 
But then David Joannis was actually at the conference. So I got to meet him, not only meet him, but then we shared a hotel room together, which, you know, was cool. Just sort of after hours being able to talk and pray. And they're also involved with some things in China. In fact, that's really his ministry heritage as well as it is ours. And so it was really great to be able to see him and spend some time with him. And so I would imagine if there was anyone who's listening who either knew some people that have already attended or you know some ministry leaders that would probably benefit, you could meet at this conference and it would be a place that, A, you'd get all the great networking, the speakers, the time together, but then also, but then you're actually meeting people that you want to actually spend some additional time with. So, so it's a great kind of attractional piece, right? It's a great networking kind of piece. And so, yeah, that was a really great deal. So let me talk just a little bit about some critiques that I have, constructive criticism, if you will, all done very positively, hopefully. Not every conference is great. There's always pieces of a conference that can be improved. And I say these constructive criticism pieces, I kind of, I want to tread very lightly, right? Because I know, I mean, just seeing what it takes to put on something like this, I can't even imagine. And so at the conference, they handed out a list and the list, actually, I have it right here, lists the 1,347 ethno-linguistic unengaged and unreached people groups. So the positive, before I give the critique, was how fantastic to actually be able to have a list of all the almost 1,350 people groups. I'm sort of calling this list a fantastic starting point. So if you were a ministry leader that had a heart for maybe you're a missions pastor or, I mean, I think about sort of beginners in particular, and you want to be able to impact China, one of these unreached people groups, you know God's called you to China, well, then you can go to the list. And they mention the Pana people group, 4,900 people. It gives you the language code so that as you're working with other people, you can coordinate that way. Gives the major religions and then a whole nother list of things, you know, is there a written scripture already? Is there oral scripture? Is there a Jesus film for this people group? Are there gospel recordings? Or is there a radio ministry to these people? Are there already churches or believers? How many workers are needed? And so, wow, right? I mean, right off the bat, that just really gives you a fantastic starting point. And so that's why I'm often calling it a starting point. When I was at the beginner track, they so they have, if you've never been there before, you go to a one seminar and it's sort of the beginner's track. And then the other people that have been to the conference before, they go to the, I think they call it the alumni track. The finishing the task people maintain a list of all these other people groups. And so they're the finishing the task people have one lady and that's her job. In fact, at one point of several points in the beginner track, it was mentioned, this is her list Right. And so in fact, so I think what I get to, the impression is she is the central piece. This list then, sort of long story short, they actually got it from some other people. International Missions Board of the Southern Baptist has a research department. I know that Joshua Project maintains a separate list. And in the course of the conference, there was some question about the list. 
not only amongst me, but also my friend David Joanna. So long story short, when I looked at the people groups that we're working with in China, it seemed like the numbers of the population was way low. The name that they gave the people groups didn't seem to match what we've been able to experience on the ground. And so I mentioned it to the lady who is her list, and she was a little bit resistant to my information that I had given. But she did say, send an email with your information. I'll get right back to you. Well, it's now been, what has it been? A week, two weeks, a couple of weeks, almost two weeks since I sent that information. Now, again, she could be completely busy, but I have not heard from her back about that. So the question that I had on what we would call our Northern Chiang translation, the finishing the task list has only about, I think it's 2,800 people for the people group, but we know it's well over 100,000 people. For the Southern Chiang list, Again, they had something like 14,000, and we know, again, it's 100 and something. The Joshua Project list has it at, I think, 114,000, which would be more accurate. And so now, again, doing a list like this is extremely hard. I totally get that. How in the world they ever started doing it in the first place, I don't even know. The research that would be required would be really something, but on the, I guess my critique is, on the front page of the list, point number three says, your updated information is deeply valued. If you know of any information that needs to be updated on this list, please email us and it gives us the address. We track the number of known believers, the number of churches, the number of full-time workers and other related information. So what I'm reading here and what my experience is when I talk to the lady I wonder about the list also because my friend David, and maybe we'll get him to come on the podcast again to talk more about this, but my friend David took the list to areas where their Chinese evangelists work, said, oh, there are these five people groups on the list that are considered to be unreached. Here's where they're supposed to be. The list has sort of some of their information about the location drove around those very locations and could not find any of the five people groups. So now maybe since the list was created, those people have moved. Again, there's all manner of things that could have happened, but yeah, they couldn't find them. So take that for whatever you will. But I guess I just wonder, one of the things that I'll do for you all is I will definitely do a little more research about where did this list actually come from? If it was just some people in an office doing research online and having not been out on the ground, I can see why there would be these kind of errors. So we're going to try to make this list better as we can, because obviously having a heart to impact these unreached people groups, we really want to know where they're at. So the other critique is just a very simple one. In our ministry, we've partnered with Wycliffe Associates with our Bible translation project. And during the East Asia regional breakout as, oh, well, it was there and I had attended a one of the seminars, I think was called something like Advancing or Accelerating Bible Translation, I think was the name of it. And so, which the MAST Bible Translation method that Wycliffe Associates uses is definitely a accelerator to Bible translation. And I was pretty, pretty well, 
I don't want to say mocked, but I was pretty well discounted once they learned that we were using the mass translation method. And so my critique would be, maybe it would be beneficial for the finishing the task people to just have a standard, hey, there are many different translation methods, many different ministry methods. We're calling them all valid or something, you know, just so that I didn't feel very welcomed in either of those sessions because of that. And we've done our own research. We really believe that it's a fantastic Bible translation method. And so maybe just some standards. I know when I was involved with the previous iteration of our ministry, we created with some other organizations sort of kind of some standards. I think it was called the Ethical Foundations for China Service, which you can find in the epilogue of my book. And the the ethical foundations essentially were, hey, there are many different ways to do ministry in China. They're all valid if as long as you're proclaiming the name of Jesus. Because, you know, back in the late 90s, if you did an open approach to ministry, those that did a closed approach would kind of do that same thing. Kind of like, how dare you, you know, sort of a deal. And so, but we were more doing things more openly and, you know, seeing people come to know Jesus. So I guess I don't know why that would be such a big concern. So anyway, as I close this episode, one more thought about the Finishing the Task Conference. If you are a ministry leader that, like I was, just praying about getting involved in reaching unreached people groups, and or if you're a, I could see a lot of missions pastors or senior pastors who go, I know we should be involved overseas. I know that we should do something, but I have no idea where to go to start. This is the place where you would go to start for sure. Because in this packet, they have all kinds of information about, I mean, literally, it's like, how would you start to do this if you wanted to do this? And here's a memorandum of understanding that you would use if you started working with national partners. And here's how this funding normally would work overseas. And I mean, really, I mean, the finishing the task people could really take this information in this workbook and create a workbook of their own just about to help people start. And I love that because being a a new idea, big idea, starter guy myself, anytime I've got information that just helps me hit the ground running faster, I'm going to do it. So overall, let me just highly recommend the Finishing the Task conference. You can go to, I believe it's finishingthetask.com. Obviously, if you did a Google search... And maybe even just put in Rick Warren or put in Saddleback in a Google search, you'll find the conference. I would highly recommend it. It was really a good conference, and I'm really glad that I went. Our organization has benefited tremendously, I think. You know, we've kind of got now the not just the first step that we had, but now we've got an idea of the next two or three steps that we need to take. And so, again, I would highly recommend it. If you have any questions, about the conference, feel free to contact us directly on the 1-8 Catalyst website. We'd love to answer any questions that you have. And again, we highly recommend it. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm glad that you're here. We'll be back. I'll be back with Ken Watmore, my co-host for the next few episodes. In the next couple of episodes, actually, we're going to be detailing this mass translation method, sort of what we found out, 
now that I've actually seen it in kind of real time in China and go through all the steps, how it works. We may even have some of the Wycliffe Associates folks on as an interview. We're trying to work that out right now. So anywho, appreciate y'all. Again, feel free to go to the website, 18catalyst.org. You can get to me personally on Twitter at Missions Mike. We'd love to hear from you. And thank you so much for joining us. And I'll look forward to having you with us on the next episode of the Made for Missions podcast.